I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. This week we hear from the new New Zealand Olympic chef to mission and what he hopes to bring to the role. One of our Olympic champion rowers is looking to make a change of boats next year. The top women's road cycle tour in the country has been called off. And Gordon Titchens reflects on his 20 years of sevens rugby. World and Olympic rowing champion Rob Waddell has been named chef de mission for the New Zealand Summer Olympic and Commonwealth Games teams. Waddell won Olympic gold in 2000 and is a two-time world champion and in recent years has been a part of Team New Zealand's sailing campaign. Stephen Hewson spoke with Waddell and asked him why he went for the job. Well, I actually had it suggested by a couple of friends, and then I had a look at the um, description of what it entailed, and I thought, well, that's for me. It's something I'd, I'd really enjoy, and I'm, I'm very passionate about sport in New Zealand, so I see it as a chance to, to give back and to, and to put something back into the, into the Olympics. What exactly is it going to entail, and what parts of that attracted you to it? So the job is obviously looking after the um, New Zealand team for the Olympic and Commonwealth Games, so it involves the planning, the preparation, uh, that goes with that, working with the various sporting teams. And the end result is to create the, the ultimate environment for athletes to do really well. So, you know, that's obviously a, a part that really interests me and um, I'm very passionate about New Zealand sport and I'll um, be doing everything I can to make that happen. I mean, given your obviously well, obvious experience, what needs to be done better and what is already being done well? Yeah, well, certainly there's a, there's a very slick operation already. There's a great team of people in place, and I feel very privileged to, to go into that because some of those systems are in, in the processes are already um, you know, working really well. So the Olympics is evolving. It's, it's getting bigger all the time. It's getting more competitive, and it's inevitable that you know, part of what I do will, will change and evolve as well as, um, as, as we move forward. So I'm looking forward to getting into the role and, and learning um, as quickly as I can off the people around me and um, seeing, seeing the opportunities that are there to, to contribute. So what are some of the ideas that you would like to see brought in? Well, I think for me, um, you know, I've had a long time in sport now. I've had three Olympic Games. Um, I've had um, a long time tour of Team New Zealand, and I, I've had quite varied results. I've had success, I've had failure, I've been a young up-and-comer, been part of a team. And you know, I think what I've learned from that and the perspective I've got also from other areas outside of, uh, outside of that high-level sport have given me good experience in some of those key themes, you know, the work ethic, um, quality, um, teamwork, and, and a big one for me is attention to detail, you know, just leaving no stone unturned. So those are some of the things I'll be looking to, to bring into the role. Is there anything in particular, though, that when you look at it, you, you think this needs to be done or it would be good if we could introduce this? Really, it's quite an early time to, to, to comment like that. I think for me... You know, I am passionate about the end result for our athletes and, and that's obviously what I focus on. The number one thing for me is performance and I think everything filters down from that, you know, whether it's creating the right environment for the coaches, the managers, the athletes obviously, um, working with high performance sport um, and just um, getting in early and, and um, just seeing what can be done to, to assist them and, and give them the best possible environment. So, 
you know, I'll look forward to learning uh, more about that in, in, a, um, in, in the next year. So will there still be the Dave Curry Harker? Well, the Harker's been a, a key part of the Olympic team for, for a while now, and it's also a strong part of a lot of our other sporting teams. And so, you know, whether that becomes, uh, you know, and continues to be part of our standard uh, protocol is just something we'll have to reassess as we, as we go forward. As you, or what do you think you learnt as an athlete about the importance of the shift emission role? I think the biggest thing I learnt was just how seamless it needs to be. Uh, you know, you are dealing with athletes at a really vulnerable, important time of their sporting careers. Um, and I think one thing I take from that is just there's no room for error. Um, you know, one percent of getting something wrong can account for 100 percent of the result. And uh, although we're, you know, we are a small part of the time that an athlete. Um, Spins competing, we're a very critical part of that. So you know, my goal is just to make it as seamless and as um, as perfect to what they need as can be. Is it going to take much of an adjustment from yourself to be that support person, I suppose, instead of being the athlete? No, I think um, I, I I have had a, a wide ranging sporting career now, and I think it's something I can draw on. And I've been exposed to that level of management. Um, I've had other areas outside of sport too with community projects and so on and I feel very lucky to have done things that I'm, I'm really passionate about um, and this is a role that I'm very passionate about and um, I think a lot of what I bring will help me work with and understand what athletes' needs are and what the sport's requirements are. And this is not going to affect your role with Team New Zealand? No, that's one of the first things we had to sort of nut out really um, was the time requirement, uh, what needs to be done when so that both can be done to the highest level. And um, the Team New Zealand is a priority through till September next year. Obviously there'll be some work done before then, but it's not in a way that's going to um, affect any of the sailing time. And the, um, and then after that, obviously, what happens next to the America's Cup is, is an unknown. Um, but the Olympic Games you know, builds towards Rio, and that'll obviously be a real focus for me. What is your role with Team New Zealand now? I'm one of the sailing teams. So there's now 11 sailors on the boat, and I'm one of the grinders. So you're still in that grinding position? Yes, that's right, yeah. These boats are very physical and they're certainly, uh, you know, I think at some point everyone apart from the helmsman ends up <laughs> ends up involved in that respect. But they're a lot of fun and, uh, you know, they go very fast, obviously, and um, I'm really enjoying being part of it. And you don't have any problems with vertigo as they, they tip and they come down from such a great height? No, I don't, I don't, because fortunately we haven't had a, uh, an experience like that on the boat. But yes, I do have a problem with vertigo and... Uh, we have done some basic safety training. Uh, we went out west to the 10-metre diving board the other day to, um, to the aquatic centre out there and, and jumped off that and sort of to get a bit of a feel what it feels like to fall that high. And it's a long way. I've got to admit, I, I had some jitters, but we all did it and um, are better for it. Did it take a while for you to, to take the leap, did it? You didn't sort of... <laughs> There's a Mr Bean video on YouTube you can watch of uh, him trying to jump off a high diving board and I think probably a lot of us resembled that. <laughs> All brave for a start, and then when you get to the edge, you actually take a backward step pretty quickly, um, and that's that's what it felt like. But uh, no, it, it's been really good, and hopefully, you know, touch wood, that never ever happens. But we get more and more confident with the boat all the time. Uh, you know, when it, the, the whole boat lifts out of the water now and actually flies, it foils. So um, you know, it's it's quite a quite a different feeling. But you feel like the boat is a is a safe boat. That's Rob Bedell talking with Stephen Hewson. Well, 2012 has been another outstanding year for New Zealand rowing. Five Olympic medals, three of them gold from one of New Zealand's most popular and organised sporting bodies in the country. Most of the rowers have been enjoying the spoils of their success and a well-earned rest since London 2012, 
but they're all pretty much back into training. The Southland rower Nathan Cohen has decided to try another four-year Olympic cycle after winning his gold in London in the double skulls with Joseph Sullivan. He's been based at the High Performance Centre at Cambridge for the last eight years and he's already campaigned in two Olympics. I asked Cohen if he's thought much about his achievement this year. Yeah, not not a lot to be honest. It's all been pretty um, busy since London, but in, in saying that, um, I did manage to get away on a wee holiday, and it probably wasn't until um, probably almost sort of six weeks after um, London I actually started to sink in about what we sort of achieved. It sort of took a wee while, but at the same time, it's quite satisfying now knowing that um, we've, we've, we've got that gold medal that we're striving so hard to get, and I, I can definitely sleep easier at night now. Uh, has it changed your life at all? I wouldn't say changed my life, but it's, um, how would you say it? We never quite planned for what might happen afterwards if we achieve what we wanted to achieve on the water. And I have to say, life's been a bit different. It hasn't changed it, so to speak, but um, definitely um, sort of been a lot more interested in us. And you know, I've visited a lot of schools and a lot of other organisations since. And I, I think you know that, that, that side of things definitely changed because, to be honest, um, you know, we normally um, go about a business without anyone knowing, whereas now we're um, probably out there a lot more. Uh, you know, you top athletes, of course, keep things uh, pretty cool and close to your chest and that, but you say you, you sleep easier now. You know, how long out was it that sort of this, the stress perhaps started to get to you before the Olympics? Um, it didn't so much stress get to us, like, to be honest. It was probably, um, obviously, you know, we've spent the last four years building up to this one day, and I think it's only natural to get a bit anxious about that day because, um, you know, the thing about the Olympics, there's no point in, you know, um, being the best the day before or being the best the day after. It's about being the best on the day that matters, and, you know, and that's a really hard thing to do, and I think... Um, Obviously, building out today, there was definitely nerves. But um, to be honest, I was probably more nervous in our earlier rounds and our semi-final than what I was for the final. Because the time we got to the final, that's what we trained for for four years. And you know, and once we got there, you know, we just wanted to go out and have the very best race possible. So I was actually quite calm then. But yeah, you know, I can honestly say the semi-final, the knockout day, the day before, was probably when I was most nervous. Uh, have you watched it uh, much and looked at that uh, perfect game plan of yours where you steamed through in the last 500 metres to pip them all? Yeah, it's, um, to be honest, I've only really watched it. Um, obviously, we've been at a few functions, and, and obviously the last bit of a race is being played, which, you know, to be honest, is probably the best part. So um, I've seen that a bit, but to be honest, we, we normally have a full debrief after every sort of race we've done, and we sort of analyse our race and go through what we could have done better and, and we, you know, what we did well. And to be honest, we haven't even had a chance to sort of do that yet. So um, no doubt once we get back into full training mode, that's probably one of the first things the coaches actually be doing down is actually talking about that race, because although we've seen it, we to be honest, we haven't really analysed it. So, um, yeah, we haven't quite got that far yet. Uh, so what's the story now for you and uh, Joseph Sullivan heading forward? Yeah, so um, obviously after every Olympic cycle, um, that's obviously the pinnacle of our sport. So even to build up there, and, and now to be honest, the slate's almost wiped clean. So you know, for us, um, well for me, I can you know speak to myself because after it's sort of almost a bit of a clean out after each Olympic cycle, and obviously some people move on and some people don't return and that sort of thing. And, and obviously there's a lot of new people coming through. So sort of you know, 2013 obviously start, is the start of the build up to 2016 in Rio and. To be honest, what we sort of did this year, we'll count for nothing next year, and we're all back to an even playing field. And um, there's plenty of young guys coming through that are obviously trying to take our spots, but at the same time, we probably, well, I can say that I want my spot back. So um, for me, it's about getting uh, myself back up to speed. Um, we've got our national trials in March, where that would be the side of what boats we're going to for 2013. And, you know, I've got to get myself in a position where um, I'll be going fast enough to be selected um, in the New Zealand team then. So, what, there's no guarantees of what boats you'll be in, but do you want to stay in the double? Um, yeah, definitely no guarantees of what boats we're going to be in. Um, obviously, we've got an open selection policy, and, and the fastest people during that week of trials will be in that boat. Um, like I said, 
what we, we might have been Olympic champions this year, but come next year, that counts for nothing, and we're going to prove ourselves again. When, um, for me, when it comes down to what boat I want, want to be in, um, yeah, I'm kind of open to that at the moment. I've done seven straight years in the double, so at the same time, it's obviously a boat that I go reasonably well on, but you know, I'm also aware of keeping keeping things fresh of um, going forward. So, uh, 2013 might be a, a change of boat class, maybe. Um, you know, that's if I get in the team for a start off, but I'll, I'll definitely be trying to, and we'll sort of see what happens um, come March. New Zealand's had a lot of success uh, in in pretty much all of the classes except the eight. What what do you think of the prospects of getting a competitive eight together? Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, obviously, if it's going to be competitive, I won't be in it. So. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not too good with the one-all side of things, so I'll leave that up to the bigger boys. But um, yeah, the, the eight's a hard one because um, to have an awesome eight, like a, a, a truly competitive international eight, you don't need eight rows. You need about 20 rows. So you, you obviously need about two eights going side-by-side side each day, and plus you need a couple of spears for reserves and that sort of thing. And So you almost need a squad of 20 people just to make one eight go fast. And, and to be honest, um, at present we probably don't have that, but um, with some of the depth coming through, you know, by Rio, that could be a real possibility to have that sort of depth. And it's something that's growing, but you know, at the same time, it, it does take time. You've rowed a lot of single. Do you, do you still see that as um, something you'd like to like to do more of? Um, yeah, to be honest, I haven't really thought too much about that. Um, obviously, um, single's a great training tool for us, and we still do a lot of work in the single. So, you know, to be honest. Even though I've been in the double the last few years, 50% of my work has probably almost been in the single as well. So we've done a bit in there. But to be honest, I'm probably more um, leaning towards maybe a year in the quad. Um, obviously, that's not my decision. But, you know, I'm quite excited by some of the, you know, the younger guys coming through. And, you know, it's sort of, to keep me fresh, it's, all, it's great having their enthusiasm. And it sort of, you know, inspires me to sort of kick on. At the same time, maybe they could benefit from some of my experience. So, you know, if I had a preference... Um, yeah, I don't like to stay it, but I wouldn't mind doing a bit in the quad. But at the same time, that's not up to me, and um, it's up to me to sort of prove myself where I fit in. But and at the same time, yeah, single's been a it's probably um, something I haven't thought too much about because obviously we've had a couple of exceptional single scholars and, and, and the likes of Mahi and Rob. So um, that's that for us has probably been closed the last few years. But you know, you never know what will happen next year. So how was, uh, you, you know, I'm assuming you had a bit of time off. Did you uh, kick back, eat KFC, put on weight, all those sorts of things? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing. Um, generally, Olympic athletes, obviously, um, we do nothing in moderation. Obviously, when we're training hard, we train really hard. And, and when that sort of stops, we sort of let it go a bit. And, you know, to be honest, um, yeah, we're, to be honest, I've had a three-month break. And it's um, for me, it's actually probably the first time I've had more than one or two weeks away from rowing in the last 10 years. So it's been quite nice and refreshing having that break. But... You know, at the same time now, obviously my um, my body has let go a little bit. I'm not quite in the same athletic shape, you could say, as what I was um, four months ago in London. But um, it was crucial to have that break, and, and now I've got something to sort of build back into. But uh, it did definitely um, enjoyed having a few um, takeaways and those sort of luxuries we don't get to have too often. The rowers, of course, did particularly well this year with uh, great success, and I see that that's sort of flowing through with the uh, the juniors. Numbers are up. Um, you must be pretty happy, proud that, you know, the the sport's growing. Yeah, we've obviously had some great feedback in that regard. The sport does seem to be growing, especially through at that school level, and you know, that's always encouraging. I think um, you know, the more people doing a sport is obviously you know, a great thing, and at the same time, it's... Um, it's been pretty exciting when, you know, obviously now we've had a bit of time, we get to go out and you know, I've obviously been back down to my local club in Invercargill and that sort of thing. And, and just sort of seeing the enthusiasm of the people back in training in the sport there, it's just been great. And, you know, um, 
we don't I don't look at myself as, you know, a role model or anything to you know, people to inspire to. But you know, if you can just sort of start off one kid that, you know, takes up your sport, that that's been pretty amazing hearing some of those stories. So for me that's almost been more rewarding than anything else. Nathan Cohen, he says he's looking forward to his first summer holiday in ten years and will get back into full training in January. You're listening to Extra Time with Barry Guy. New Zealand's top cycling promoter was this week forced to postpone February's Women's Cycle Tour of New Zealand until 2014. One of the main reasons for the decision is that race organisers found it financially difficult to comply with the new UCI rules regarding drug testing, which would result in an associated cost rising to about $30,000. I spoke with race director George Sanderfall, who says local organisations can no longer carry out the testing. In the past, we, we have a New Zealand drug agency which does the testing. Uh, it's a government-funded uh, organization here in New Zealand, which is very, very professional. Uh, the UCI has decided that now they will do all the testing. They will send inspectors from overseas to supervise this. Um, we will have to import all the necessary kits to do this testing. Then we had to have an export license to export human samples to an overseas laboratory. And, and then we had to pay for the test, obviously, which is, uh, I think it's about $920 each. And we had to do five every day. So it's 25 tests per event, it's 50 all up, and costs do add up. So, you know, I understand the, the, the UCI, um, it had to play a very big part in, in, in you know, um, stamping drug sheet and I'm finding out, you know, the who's taking drugs and making sure that people don't do this. But um New Zealand is not a huge country as far as cycling is concerned and to spend that amount of money in an event for us is uh, not real. Have you told the UCI or do you intend to just uh, you know the situation that you're in? I advised the UCI yesterday, uh exactly the way I'm telling you, I told them the cost, how much it costs and why they should you know, relax uh, the requirements and in, in the next few years to allow countries like New Zealand have international events. I'm not the only one. Uh, for us who are involved in cycling, uh, I see continuously over the last month around the world events organizers cancelling races uh, because of this and because of other regulations. And, you know, uh, I think it all comes down to the old Lance Armstrong syndrome there. Uh, because what happens, uh, everything is going to be different next year. But uh, I don't think targeting little events like the New Zealand Cycle Tour uh, is going to help or going to cut top riders riding the Tour of France taking drugs. I think they just put in all the effort in the wrong side of cycling. Yes, yeah, so, you know, Lance Armstrong and everything that's gone on this year, it's sort of it's tarnished the sport in a way, hasn't it, unfortunately? And some people are going to pay for it, like yourself. Well, yeah, and the riders, the riders, because this event um, allowed a lot of the up-and-coming New Zealand riders to compete against world champion and Olympic champion right here in their own country, so that opportunity is not there anymore. Lance Armstrong was um, a superstar in many of people's eyes, including myself. We thought he was one of the best ever, uh, but then we found out that it wasn't so. So it's disappointing, but that's sport, and people do to take shortcuts to get to the top and disappoint thousands of people around the world. But, uh, you know, I don't think New Zealand is in that line. I mean, air riders are very honest riders, are very clean riders, and it's just cutting the opportunity to compete. Um, it's unfortunate, but, you know, um, 
I think I think you know the the event will coming back in the next year or so, and 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 will be just as good as it used to be. And you say there are a number of smaller tours like yours that you know are falling off now. Yeah, yeah, I, I know in America and in Europe a number of tours have been cancelled uh, for a lot of reasons, financial. Uh, uh, number one uh, reason, but uh, a number of big rides has been cancelled in 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 overseas uh, in the last four or five four or five weeks. George Sandoval, the men's tour of New Zealand will still be run at the end of January. The New Zealand Rugby Sevens team has put a bit of a break on the field after winning the third round of the World Series in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, chasing their 11th IRB Series title. The New Zealanders now have a 14-point lead over France in the overall standings, with another two points back to Fiji. The next round, the fourth of nine rounds, is in Wellington in early February. The New Zealanders have managed to retain a couple of their experienced players this season, and I asked Coach Gordon Titchens how important that was. Obviously having a a core group of experienced players certainly assists the younger players who in turn, if they're still in my seventh team, will be the experienced players in another two or three years and and that's uh, the only way they'll learn. But certainly having a Forbes and a Mickelson, Farmer, Ruckenbuller and Baker uh, provide heaps of experience to the side and and assist those younger players, you know, like a, a Ben Lamb who... I thought played particularly well, and Sam Dixon from Canterbury, uh, two new younger players that have forced their way into that top group, and they'll learn so much from that experience for group of players. I imagine you're not a chap that gets uh, frustrated, but you know, uh, you always have quite a big turnover of players. Do you sort of more see that as a challenge to you? It is a real challenge, but uh, every one of my players aspire to be a super rugby player, and, and the ultimate to being an all black. So you, when you see these younger players, and Artie Savier was one of those last year, and a, a youngster, 18 years of age, played my side. He had a great ITM cup. He's now a, a super rugby player for the Hurricanes, and, and he's going to certainly uh, push himself very, very close to being a contender also in the near future to the All Blacks. And, and that's what you want to see is, is what Sevens Rugby and playing for the All Blacks Sevens is that great launching pad to, to provide exposure for those players. Being in the Olympics, though, that must be a bit of uh, a carrot for people perhaps coming back the other way? Yeah, uh, being in the Olympics is going to be great. I mean, uh, you know, certainly in about three or four years' time or three and a half years' time, there's going to be a lot of players that will want to make a decision and, and be a contender and have a crack for the All Black Seven team to play at the Olympic Games. And, uh, so they're going to have to certainly, um, uh, if they wish to do that, be involved in the game and, and training, uh, playing and being involved in a World Series. So... You know, good times ahead, but uh, it will certainly be a really competitive environment by then because I, I believe by then also we'll have full-time sevens players. I know you celebrated uh, a birthday, I think it was, last week in Dubai or South South Africa, which then made me think, do you remember when you first coached a, a sevens team, whenever that was, early 90s or whatever? Yeah, I, I, my first ever coaching assignment was uh, I, 92. I took a team by a plenty away to the Melrose Sevens, and that's where uh, was Sevens was, was learnt. And, and um, I, we won the Melrose Sevens. And then from then I coached the New Zealand Sevens B team in 1993 uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, sorry, in Fiji for a, a tournament there. And, and in 1994 was my first year with, uh, with the main side. Uh, from then, or do you think back to then, perhaps uh, how basic it was, or you know, things have changed so much. 
yeah, the game's evolving and changing all the time, and uh, athletes are a lot quicker and I think are a lot stronger because they spend a lot more time in the gyms now. But the game is so more competitive because there's lots of teams out there doing lots of analysis now. So there's six or seven teams that can win in any tournament where uh, in the past it was always Fiji, New Zealand. It's always a tough one, uh, Wellington, for the New Zealand side. It's always tough. You know, uh, winning your own tournament is more pressure on you than any other tournament. And South Africa could, uh, could testify to that. And after just coming back from their tournaments and the pressure they were under to win their own tournament, which they haven't done for a while. So we won it last year. It would be great to back it up and, and win it this year. But uh, we'll just take one game at a time and, uh, and handle all those pressures that you have to handle. Gordon Titchens, one of New Zealand's top coaches. Still with rugby and the new Blues head coach, Sir John Kerwin, says he's very comfortable about choosing the veteran all-black forward, Ali Williams, as the new Blues captain. As the Blues began pre-season training, the side's second most experienced player, after the resting skipper Kevin Mialamu, was asked to take over. Sir John says Ali Williams is an obvious choice to take charge. Great experience, world-class lock, loves this region, wants to win, wants to help the franchise get back on top, so... It was a pretty easy decision. I think it's a very uh, good time in his life as well. He's, uh, he's ready for the next challenge. But I've also picked him because he played every game last year. Um, he's had a little bit of a bad run with injuries, but when he's fit, he's a world-class lock and, uh, and will lead from the front. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an exciting chance for me. Late in my career, it just means I've been around for a long time. I've still got a lot left. I'm not going to do it by myself. i do it with a lot of other people. And uh, we've got a great management team. And, also just seeing a lot of new faces, a lot of uh, enthusiasm and uh, you know, we've got the ability to, to write our own book which is great. You know, The captain and the coach have to be very close and we've started that relationship. Um, he's got some pretty good people to learn off uh, like Richie McCaw and, and stuff so um, Kevy has also been an outstanding leader so you know, if I know Ali he'll lean on those guys. most important thing for Ali is to be himself and uh, and just make sure he gets the, the right messages across. You're obviously known as a bit of a joker, and you know, especially with the media and everything. you change any of that now that you're captain? No, mate. Look, I'm, I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to enjoy what I do. Um, there's a time to switch on, there's a time to switch off. And you know, perception maybe is a reality, and, and the reality is that I, I do enjoy, to enjoy myself and have a bit of a joke, but when I step on that field, I'm, I'm 100% committed. The perception is one thing if you come internally into this group and the research that I've done, you know, that he's got heaps of respect, he contributes, um, you know, sometimes he might say things that get people to think and upset people, but that's what you want. We want confrontation, we want uh, someone who's prepared to be honest and tell the truth, so I've got no qualms whatsoever that he'll be great for us. How do you see your captaincy style? Um, look, I more a person that will, will rally everyone around me um, in terms of get them to step forward and, and I sort of sit back a bit more and, and, and watch. Um, but if the truth must be known, I, I don't really know. I, you know. I've been a captain once before, which is a long time ago. But Just scratching our heads, you've been... Have you I was captain um, Auckland under-19s, but yeah, never before. But was that for a, for a season or just... Yeah, for a season. My first... Uh, representative side. How'd you find it? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, in the day it's about the people around you getting them to play their best of the ability, but first and foremost it's about you playing to the best of your ability and then from there it all stems on. I mean, the reality is I think great captains do a lot more work during the week 
and what they do game day. So, as I said, I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going to need help. I'm not going to get everything right. But I'll tell you what, I'll give it 100%. Good luck to Ali Williams and John Kerwin and all the Super Rugby sides that have been back in training this week. Take it easy with all that extra food over Christmas. Well, that's the show for this week. You can get in touch with us by emailing to sport at radionz.co.nz. Until next week, from all the team at Extra Time, enjoy your week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.